0: what you heard, don't care what you heard I'm taking it all cause I'm with
1: the world Yeah, with the world yeah, with the world All right, what's going on everybody? We are back again with Mark Anthony King How you doing Mark?
0: Happy to be here as always brother, how you doing?
1: I'm good man, I'm good uh, Thanks for reaching out cause I'm really happy to do this episode with you uh, For everybody else who hasn't heard our first episode if you want to go back and check that out, I'll leave a couple of links after we're done with this, so you can listen to everything, especially Mark's phenomenal, amazing story he gave us uh, about his growth, about who he is, about what he does, about how he became, and the way that he became. But yeah, again, Mark, I guess let's jump right into it, man. Because there's a there's a couple of things that uh, I guess we had talked about on you know your Facebook, and I had asked you, and mm-hmm. uh, one of those things was about finding your story and your and your purpose so yeah. how how do people do that exactly for those people who are like uh, they don't have any direction they don't know they don't have anybody there for guiding for mentorship or anything like that they may not have the money to do it uh to pay for a mentor to you know any of that how did you find your purpose and how does someone find their purpose and harness the power of their story yeah
0: you know i think that's a phenomenal question and i think that Given this kind of global timeout that we received with uh, quarantine and social distancing and all that, I think humanity at large has been really contemplating that question more than ever before. And we really have the time to reflect on our journey. We have the time to reflect on our life, on our decisions. And you know, more often than not, our profession isn't our passion right it's it's the whole the whole conundrum of did you choose what you do consciously, or did you choose it out of either a necessity, which is a which is a really, really common element in, in career choice, or did you choose it because you inherited it? you know, did you inherit a business, did you inherit a profession was? Was your grandfather a carpenter? was your father a carpenter or a doctor? And now you have you have this sort of family shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. So now that we have all this time, we can we can think it, just what I do really fulfill me is the way that I'm choosing to live my life, bringing me the amount of joy, fulfillment, peace, satisfaction, creativity, freedom and enjoyment, that life has to offer. And, you know, we have a, we have a pretty similar story you and I, in the sense that we didn't grow up with money. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up, I grew up on the wrong side of town with a mother who got pregnant when she was 19 years old and working multiple jobs, right? Single mom working multiple jobs just to have enough money to be broke. Right. Yeah. So I didn't grow up with that, with that mindset of, of abundance. You know, I I grew up and you know, when, when you're poor and you grew up in a poor neighborhood, you kind of don't know that you're poor because everybody's poor. And then you, 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 you have the very sobering experience of seeing what money and what, what opulence and what, what abundance looks like. And then you have that contrast and, 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 you know, okay, There are the haves and then there are the have-nots. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes in this journey, you know, discovering your purpose, the easiest way to do that is to hire a coach or a mentor. But like you said, we don't always have the resources, uh, the financial resources. Not everybody has them to hire somebody. So a lot of the times, if you don't have resources, you have to implement the next best thing, which is resourcefulness. Mm -hmm right? Which is, which I like to break that down. Resource fullness. That means that you are full of resources. They might not be the resources that are, that are, that were once backed by gold, but they're still resources nonetheless. So a great way to discover your, your purpose and your passion is to just take that internal journey that you've been avoiding is to, is to open yourself up to the fact that, you know, there, there, there's a, a, story that was written by a man named Leo Tolstoy, The Death of Ivan Illich. And I'm not going to go through the entire, the entire story, but suffice it to say at the end, right, mm-hmm. you have this man on his deathbed and he asks himself a question, right? And you know, you're on your deathbed and, and you're contemplating your life. Every elderly person was once a child and, and they have vivid memories if they're not suffering from dementia or alzheimer's of what childhood was like and what young adulthood was like and what what their life was like and you're on your deathbed. you get to you get to revisit you get to take a take a field trip throughout your history and he asked himself a question and and when i heard this question it gave me chills because i was going to be there one day and and when this man took stock and took inventory of his life he said what if I did it all wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, that that right there, if if, if that doesn't, doesn't fan your flames, if that doesn't give you, you know, the 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 heebie jeebies and doesn't make all your hair stand on end, nothing will, <laughs> because the 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 fact that our time here is limited, the fact that you know people like saying things like, oh, tomorrow isn't promised. No, forget that. That's that that's a lie. The next five minutes aren't promised. The next second isn't promised. There are people who die of strokes from one second to the next. My grandmother dropped from a brain aneurysm and this wasn't something that was progressive. This wasn't something that that we were were bearing witness and it wasn't something that that was deleterious and that that, that was over time, she just got worse. It was boom from one moment to the next, she collapsed. You know, we, we, we like placing our, our stock and our faith and our hope and, and our future in things that are, that are intangible and inconsequential and insignificant. It is no surprise that we're in such dire straits emotionally. That We're so confused about multiple things. We're confused about our purpose, about our gender, about our fucking species. You know, we're confused about, about God. We're confused about life. We're confused about everything. You know, that, that confusion manifests in some, in some pretty dark ways. And one of my favorite practices is just that it sounds a bit macabre and a bit dark, but ultimately you understand that everything that we experience in life, the good, the bad, and everything in between
1: the things that you want to
0: celebrate and post about, and the things that you want to take to the grave with you. Mm -hmm. Everything is intentional in life. Everything was intended to be here. Wayne Dyer likes to say every grain of sand, every avocado, every, everything was intended to be here, right? My, my third, my third dad, Les Brown tells me that you won the greatest race of life, right? Because statistically you shouldn't be here. You know, we, 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 we live with these, with these fears and these doubts and these, these insecurities and, and 99.9% of them are unfounded and untrue. And it's just the choice, the conscious choice to believe a lie that somebody else told us about our limitation and to accept something that someone placed on us, right? So we, we use this as an excuse to not move forward and to not grow and to not expand, and to not expand the depths, not just of just of what we're capable of, but of who we are and of our love and of our compassion and of our faith. And those are things that actually matter in life. Now you take something inconsequential, right? Of Course in Miracles talks about the things that you can achieve. I call them the A's of life, right? The things that you can achieve, acquire, attain, accrue. Mm-hmm. Things, right? Material things, tangible things that we can touch, certifications, awards, uh money homes cars etc we don't move forward out of fear because statistically you might we might fail right there there's a good chance that that the business that we want to start is going to go out of business and yeah that's true you know 90 percent of all businesses go out of business within the first few years mm-hmm. but statistically understand that You shouldn't be here. You ran the greatest race of life where the odds were stacked against you 300 million to one. Mm -hmm. 300 million sperm, all sprinting, competing for the same exact prize life. And out of all those, out of all those lives that could have been born, out of all those dreams that could have, could have, could have been made manifest, out of all, all those experiences and thoughts that could have been, yours are here. You were given the gift of life. And what is life? What, what, what fuels life? Time. we are we are a speck we are we are a a drop in an infinite bucket You, you 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 look at somebody who live who's lived a long life a centenarian somebody who gets to be 100 years old well you know what when you compare 100 years to infinity that's nothing our existence is precious because our time is finite and, and we have such a small window at best, at best if, if you receive no negative medical diagnosis and, and the chances of that are slim, right? Because one in two individuals at some point is going to get heart disease and then one in, one in three is gonna get cancer mm-hmm. if we keep going down this route. So the chances of, of, of perfect medical health are slim, not impossible, but slim. The chances of never having a fatal car accident, again, people die all the time. A, a, a plane accident, a car accident, a boating accident. The chances of being a victim of, of abuse or of a, of, a, of, a, of a fatal violent crime. I mean, there, there are so many elements and aspects and variables in life. We need to understand that our time here is precious. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. The next five minutes aren't guaranteed. So, so, and, and this isn't to, to, to instill fear in people. This is to instill the fact that if our time is so limited, you owe it to yourself to swim within the depths of your fears, of your doubts, of your worries, of your insecurities, so that you can discover who you are. You know, I was told once that there are two great days in a person's life, the day that they're born and then the day that they discover why, Mm -hmm. right? The day that they discover why, because the day you're born, that is the, that is the gift. You're here. You're here to make your mark, to leave your legacy, to make the world better so that future generations can look at you as an example and not as a statistic or a cautionary tale, right? We have the gift of of free will. God gave us a gift of free will. We can do with this time what we want. And just because somebody gives you a beautiful gift doesn't mean you're going to appreciate it. Somebody can give you your dream car tomorrow. Person A is going to wash it every single week, is going to invest the extra money in ensuring that it gets waxed and that it's always up to date with its, with its, uh, trips to to the shop and it's brakes and tires and oil and and coolant and everything is always perfect and then the other person because it was given for free because it was a gift they're not going to value it and unfortunately it's human nature to not value the things that we were gifted and we apply that to physical gifts but unfortunately unfortunately heartbreakingly we apply that to life because so much of our lives are lived on the shelf and so much of our lives is spent, people live on the shelf and die on the shelf every single day. So knowing that, right, every single change, every single thing that humanity has achieved as a species and individually was catalyzed by one thing. And it's, it's obvious and it's like one of those duh, of course, but we don't understand that. Every change is sparked by a desire to change. The journey of a thousand miles starts with what? That first step. We need to take that first step. And oftentimes we can't afford to take that first step the way that we want to take it, right? But hey, you can, you, you, can, you can fly somewhere in a private jet and get to that destination. You can fly there first class, business, coach. You can take a train, you can take a boat or you can walk your ass there, but you'll still get there. George Washington Carver has one of the most phenomenal quotes i love do what you can where you are with what you have and never be satisfied life is a journey life is not a destination we tend to think that life is a is is a a finish line it's not it's an ongoing ever-evolving process so and we're, we're we're simple in a lot of ways but we're also these beautifully complex creatures we have layers upon layers we have hopes doubts fears worries insecurities traumas Gifts, talents, blessings, anointings, desires. We're so multifaceted. We're we're like a diamond. And we need to start treating ourselves accordingly. You want to discover what your purpose is. You need to decide, is what you're doing right now, how you're making a living, chosen consciously? Consciously more often than not it wasn't. More often than not it was it was decided through necessity or through living up to someone's expectation not wanting to disappoint somebody. Why'd you become a lawyer? Are you just incredibly <laughs> passionate about law? or did your parents say that you need to study and, and go to school and become become a lawyer? I mean wh- what are the what are the two professions that parents always want their kids to be? A doctor or a lawyer, right? Right. So, you know, and, and this is this is a painful part—the hero's journey. You look at any hero. You look at Hercules, right? Mm-hmm. We tout him as this as this hero, and we 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 look up to him. And and Disney created a, a beautiful movie about him, incorrect as all hell, <laughs> but beautiful nonetheless. Hercules' life was lonely. Was wrought with, with pain and insurmountable obstacles, challenge after challenge. You see, we tend to see the highlight reel, right? We see Kobe Bryant, may he rest in peace, one of the greatest players in the game of all time. We see the highlight reel of him dunking on people and taking, taking three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer, just never missing a shot, but we don't see all the shots that he missed. We don't see all the all these sleepless nights filled with anxiety before having to play a game. We don't we don't see all the all the all the times that he injured and hurt himself and all the doubt and the tens of thousands of of, of shots that he missed just to perfect that one shot. We don't see that. We don't see the pain because all we see is that that victory highlight reel when we're taking this journey of, of introspection, this internal, it's like a quest, you know, not, not to make it sound dramatic or, or, or overly theatrical, but it's like Lord of the Rings. It's, you're, you're going on a quest and on this quest, you're going to experience pain. And more often than not, you're going to experience solitude because until you discover, and really, this is, a, this is one of the most difficult things to do. You might have to dismantle who you've been? Because who you are, for, for forget your purpose. Who you are might not be authentic. You might have been up until this point playing a role, and I'm speaking from experience. I'm not speaking from theory or, or, or from a soapbox like I'm perfect and like I've always known what I want to do. You know, the 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 larger, the greater portion of my life was acted out. It was playing a role, playing a character, and ad- adhering to to the desires and, and the projections and, and the expectations of, of my parents and, and of, of my friends and of my peer group and of my family, right? Because what happens when we show who we truly are and we're met with judgment or indignation or negativity? We just, we just bared our soul and we were rejected. Well, I guess I guess this is wrong let me conform to a, 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 a different way of being and, oh, oh, okay. Oh, you approve of this? Okay, this is the way I have to be. You do that enough times, right? The brain learns through repetition. Repetition is a mother of all skill and a great number of people are very skilled at being inauthentic, yeah. right? That's why when the when the mirror of life is in front of you, we can't even look ourselves in the eye because... We don't recognize who we've become. I have a, a very interesting definition of hell, right? We, we tend to be fed the fact that hell is this place full of fire and brimstone and sulfur with demons and devils torturing you for all of eternity and volcanoes and all this stuff. You know, the devil dressed in all red cloven hoved with a pitchfork twirling his little 1920s uh, villain mustache. That's not not hell. I have a very overly simplistic definition of hell. Hell is a small room. And in this small room, there are no doors. There are no windows. You're completely alone. Except there is a full-length mirror in front of you. And when you look into this mirror, you see hopes and the dreams and the achievements and the impact and the legacy that you could have had. You see the life that you could have lived. You see the person you could have become if you weren't so afraid. If you weren't so afraid to explore who you are.
1: That's you know, the other
0: terrifying the biggest part of explo- the biggest part of discovering who you are is dismantling who you've been because a big part of who we are is conditioned and it's not conditioned by people who are a healed or b know themselves or c truly have our best interest at heart Those are the kinds of three people that 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 more often than not contribute to who we are. So we have to consciously determine what are we gonna kill, right? Because your 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 new life is gonna cost you your old life. The new habits that you want to implement are gonna cost you the old habits that have been holding you back. The 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 new peer group, right? The elevated peer group of, of impactful, confident. Financially free, socially conscious leaders are gonna cost you your loser friends that you've had that have been holding you back. Everything's a choice in life. And we're creatures of, of habit and we're creatures of community. You know, we're like, we're like monkeys, we're like lions, we, we're pack animals. We're not meant to live alone. We're not meant to be alone. In fact, you know, are you familiar with what, what a competitive advantage is in the animal kingdom?
1: Uh, I'm guessing a certain talent or unique talent that someone possesses or one of the animals possess over some, someone else that they use to their advantage. Is that correct? Bingo,
0: bingo, right? A cobra, has its venom. Mm-hmm. An eagle has its its eyesight and its talons. Right? A lion has its power and its speed. Mm. A gorilla has its massive strength. Right. Some birds have have the ability to 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 make tools. Like there are these little birds in in, in um, the Galapagos Islands who make tools who who use cactus uh cactus needles to stick into trees to skewer bugs like birds are utilizing tools that's a competitive advantage Mm -hmm. you know geckos can cling to walls spiders can 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 create webs and and all that we don't have any of that stuff we don't have that We're, we're, we're born pink and naked and helpless And the only competitive advantage that we have is that we have the ability of forming emotional bonds. And we have the ability of having people love us. And if they love us, they're going to stick by us. If they stick by us, we're not going to be alone. If we're not alone, we're protected. If we're protected, we survive. There's a biological need for us to be in groups. But is your group holding you back? Is your group stifling you? Is your group suffocating you? Is your group going to ensure that you never become the person you're meant to become? Or is your group going to ensure that you do? Now, if you're surrounded by the wrong people, you're going to have to be a lone wolf. And that's scary. That's disheartening. It's scary from a biological perspective, from a primal perspective, but it's also scary from an emotional perspective, but it's in those moments of silence. It's in those moments of solitude where we can hear God's whispers. If there's too much noise, if there's too much distractions, we can't hear that. You know, we live in a world of gray, but there's a lot that's black and white. Not a, not a whole heck of a lot, but a fair amount that's black and white Mm -hmm. and people are black and white and i don't mean race i don't mean nationality i I don't mean literal coloring i mean people are black and white in the sense that somebody will either be part of your destiny or they're going to be a derailment somebody is going to ensure that you get to the kingdom or stay in the wasteland. Royalty, peasant, however you want to look at it. And it's difficult because oftentimes we're that person. You know, a lot of a lot of people during every new year, make this post about i'm gonna cut out all the toxic people in my life and i'm only gonna have quality people and i am all for that les brown says oqp only quality people yet again part of growth part of expansion and the work that i do with men right around masculinity has to do with one of the principles of being a man and that is men whether you're gay or straight if you are a man you don't make excuses for your shortcomings because women hate that shit. the feminine hates that so the masculine doesn't make excuses for his shortcomings he turns them into strengths he destroys those shortcomings And while it's great to cut out the negative people from your life, again, I'm speaking from my own perspective, my own moments of brutal, painful, soul-wrenching honesty. The most toxic person I ever met in my entire life at one point lived in every single mirror, Mm. every single mirror. Wherever you go, there you are. You can remove yourself from a toxic situation. You can remove yourself from toxic friends. You know, oftentimes another very painful moment is a lot of our families are toxic. A lot of our, a lot of the people that we love reinforce everything that we do not like about ourselves and reinforce everything that we're trying to change, you know, Hey, I'm, 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 I'm starting a new diet. Ah, here we go again. Okay. I wonder how long you're going to last this time. Or, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to quit drinking Oh, Sure. Okay. Yeah. You're going to be drinking again in another three weeks or, you know, I think I want to go back to church. Yeah. Okay. You're going to be a heathen in no time. Right. Right? You tell somebody a lie long enough, they're going to believe it. I believe Hitler said that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can't be around our family. Sometimes we can't be around our friends. We need to take a step back, but there's a flip side to that. We tend to want to run away from toxicity, but a lot of the times, right, because there's an expression, like, attracts like, water will always seek its own level. And it doesn't matter if it's pristine, crystal clear spring water. the water that is fetid and putrid and acrid in a ditch under an overpass full of urine and dead bugs water will always seek its own level Mm. so when i say wherever you go there you are it's not just about cutting out toxic people from your life and 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 removing yourself from toxic situations it's taking taking a really, really sobering, painful look internally and seeing how much of the toxicity that I've experienced was created by me. More often than not, if you're you're an average person, if you're not too fucked up, you're looking at like 75% to 80% of the toxicity is created by us. If you're a super overachiever like me, 100%, right? But... Not everybody's gonna be a super overachiever, but we need to take responsibility. And that's one of one of that's one of the one of the steps in discovering your purpose, right? Because we need, again, we need to to discover who you are, you need to dismantle who you've been. That is mentorship. But again, not all words that are spoken are true. I say all the time, the truth isn't always beautiful, nor beautiful words always true. We live in a world where people use the gift that God gave them, right? God, when he created the universe, spoke things into existence. That is the power that we have. That is the power that our creator gave us. We need to use discernment because oftentimes the people that we look up to, that we want to have as mentors, are not going to have our best interests at heart and aren't congruent themselves. Mentorship is an incredible, incredibly important and necessary part of of figuring out who you are, right? Because, I mean, there are people right now that are living the life that you want to live that are having the impact that you want to have. There are people that have the strategies that'll help you get from where you are to where you want to be. That's another critical component, mentorship. But within that, also need to utilize discernment knowing who we should be listening to are they fully aligned are they congruent you know do they walk their talk and talk their walk right you shouldn't have to listen to how somebody's lips move to decide whether you want to implement their strategies or learn from them watch how their feet move see who they are see how they live how they've what impact they've created what what tangible results have they produced in their own life on a consistent basis and in the lives of other people? You know, we've, we've, we've had such a unique opportunity here. We've had silence. Silence is, is silence is power. You know, I, I always like to talk about music. I once heard that, that music isn't what we think it is. We tend to think that music is a, is a, and you you can relate to this too. I know you you absolutely love music. We tend to think that music is a series of notes arranged in a specific way, but realistically it's not. Music isn't a note. What makes music is a silence between the notes. Music is the silence that fills a gap between the notes because that's what allows that auditory magic to be created. The sound of the universe, the sound of creation is nothingness. So we need to become comfortable within that nothingness, within that silence. You know, I I, I believe it was Mark Twain, don't quote me on this, but one of the great or Mark Twain or, or Hemingway who said, man's greatest plight is his inability to sit alone with his own thoughts because we're looking for distractions. And the more distractions and numbing agents that we surround ourselves with, the more we separate ourselves from who we're meant to be. You know, if, if you're off in the distance, the more distractions you surround yourself with, you're not walking toward that. You're walking backwards. You know, you can't get to you can't get to a destination using your rearview mirror as as a guide. You you, you're only gonna be able to go where you've already gone. And we've we've lived where we've already gone for the majority of our lives. Why do you think suicide rates are at an all-time high? Why do you think opioid addiction is at an all-time high? Why do you think depression is at an all-time high? Right? A big part of of discovering who you are is being okay with with the silence and, and and with the the solitude a big part of that is being cognizant and being aware of what are you placing your intention and your energy and and your faith and your hope in you know we, we we tend to determine and and label who we are based on things that are that are fleeting that are that are inconsequential that are invaluable and and that ultimately at the end of the day when all said and done does don't matter they have no value. You know, I am my body. We put all this work and we identify with this thing that no matter how much superfoods you put into that, no matter how great you sleep, no matter how much 9.5 Kongen water you drink, no matter how much sunlight you get, you know, no matter how many coffee enemas you do, that body is going to get old and break down and die. So when you, when you put your, your self-worth into something that is, that is, has, has a, has a, um, Transient. an expiration date, right. Mm-hmm. You're setting yourself up for pain when you put yourself forth in, in the validation and the approval of, of people that you don't know who press that little heart icon on an Instagram post. And when you don't get enough posts and enough likes or comments, you take it down. And you wait for, for a time where you can get more engagement, and and oh, this person that you're you're friends with in real life didn't like your post. So even though you're friends in real life and you're close, you bitch at them because they didn't like your post and they didn't support it. And we, we get caught up in these trivial, little, insignificant, inconsequential, meaningless aspects of, of, of life that again, another distraction. If we're gonna define ourselves. Define ourselves by something concrete, by something powerful, by something real. You know, St. Germain said that which is real is that which is unchanging. I'm going to say that again. That which is real is that which is unchanging. How many things in the world are changing and have an expiration date and are inconsequential? The majority of it, right? Right. The goal, the goal of life, the goal of life is to create magic moments, right? Time, this whole concept of time is just, time is a series of moments. And if we have a finite amount of time, how do we want to fill those moments? What moments do we want to create? It's it's a, it's a time is a pocket of possibility. And time is a gift and we can, we can squander a gift we can invest it we have the choice how do we want to implement this gift that we were given how do we want to how do we want to live our life how do we want to what legacy do we want to leave in the world you know it's this whole concept of that which is real and that which is that which is real is that which is unchanging i always like to point everything back to god right and i point everything back to back to the bible because i'm a christian man and that is that that is instrumental in my teachings around masculinity and in the healing that i've done in my own life you know one prayer that i said to god one time did more than years of om chants, burning sage, playing with crystal bowls and doing Reiki. One prayer, why? Because God's truth is irrefutable and his word is undeniable. That's why it stood the test of time. You wanna know what's real familiarize yourself with the teachings in that book. That's real. The fact that you are a child of the most high is real. The fact that you are a masterpiece because you're a piece of the master is real. The fact that if everything is intended here and if God is a creator of the heavens and the earth, if God is a God that parted the Red Sea, if God is a God that sacrificed his son for your chance at salvation and your chance at living life, if God is a God that that created the universe, then there's a pretty good chance that God is a God that also put you here. And if In the beginning was a word, and the word is good, and the word is God. That means that God is good. So that means that God put something in you. When you were born, when you were a little speck of infinite perfection and infinite divinity, before you became a human being, God placed something in you. And they say life is a journey for one reason, because that journey is discovering what God placed in you and living your purpose and, and, and living your making. You know, as Brown said, we get we get so bogged down and, and so, so hyper-fixated on making a living when if we take a step back from that, right? Change our perspective from making a living to living our making. That's when the game changes. Because when you start, living you're making you're not going to have to worry about making your living because your life is going to be provided for in a way that's more effortless than you ever thought was possible but there's certain things that we need to do certain ways that we need to live certain pain that we need to experience willingly we're going against biology right because we're biologically wired to avoid pain if you touch a stove that's red hot and you burn your hand one time. You only got to burn your hand one time before you know, I'm not going to touch that stove, right? Right. From an emotional perspective, what happens when we touch a stove, emotionally speaking and metaphorically speaking, we don't want to touch that stove again. We don't want to open that door again. We don't want to revisit that pain point. But if you know anything about biomechanics and if you've ever had any kind of body transformation which i know you have can your can your body change in a positive way can your muscles grow without pain
1: (laughs) no one thinks so no
0: it's impossible (laughs) Yeah, you know i i I don't care how many times you you bench press 45 pounds your chest is not going to grow right you we grow through discomfort and we grow through pain, just like, just like in an exercise, progressive overload, right? You, you, you get stronger and you grow bigger muscles by adding weight to your lifts. Mm-hmm. If, if week one, you're curling 10 pounds, week two, you're curling 12, week three, you're at 15, you know, by the time, by the time week six rolls along, you're, you're curling 30 pounds and you're you've got a little bump there on your arm that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Same thing with our emotional resilience. We need to consciously go against biology and and, and our wiring in the gym. It hurts. Oh my God, it hurts, but I got to keep going because this is the only way that I grow. You got to do that emotionally. It's painful. It's scary. I'm scared. Okay, are you scared? That's why you got to do it. Does it hurt? That's why you got to do it. Is it uncomfortable? Is it giving you anxiety? That's why you got to do it. Because on the opposite, on on the other end of anxiety, is freedom. On the end of confusion, is certainty. And ultimately, it's how much of our internal demons, how much of our internal bull crap can we conquer? How much of other people's labels and projections can we shed? Again, shout out to my third father. Les Brown says, label jars, not people how many labels can we shed so that like a like 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 a snake you know you've been wearing this disguise you've been wearing this skin that's not yours you got to pull that off to reveal the true you you know ultimately we like to think that a spiritual awakening is beautiful it's not it's scary you think you're going crazy your world is turned upside down everything that you thought you wanted, you no longer want. It's like the biblical parable, Saul of Tarsus, right? If you've heard the expression from Saul to Paul, Saul of Tarsus was one of Jesus Christ's original persecutors. He became the Apostle Paul from Saul to Paul, where where, where the things that you hate, you now love, and what you used to love, you now hate. That's that journey you have to take. And understanding that, being cognitive, being aware of it, right? Knowledge, they say knowledge is power. No, knowledge is potential power. Knowledge plus consistent action and continuously modifying your strategy is power. But arming yourself with the information and arming yourself with the tricks that your mind is gonna play on you and just being more committed to discovering your purpose than you are to living by other people's expectations of what they feel you deserve or who they believe that you are. It all boils down to that. What are you more committed to? God's truth and God's purpose for your life or other people's stories and projections. You know, once you get to that point, the choice is easy, but getting to that point isn't easy. But that's a journey we call life at the end
1: of the day. And there's, there's a, there's so much you said in there, man. So I, I kind of want to break it down just a little bit, just to reiterate yeah, yeah. some of the things that you said. Yeah, Because um, sure. one of the things I did like what you said was, uh, especially getting out of, you know, your old environment, you know, when you yeah. want to go do something better with your life and you have those friends or even your family, because oftentimes it really is family that prevents you from moving forward. Um, oh, yeah. Even, you know, our we want to say our parents have the best intentions for us and they want us to succeed and whatever, but there's definitely a lot of times when parents put a lot of pressure on, um, you know, their children to, uh, you know, they put their own image of mm-hmm. maybe they're their own like failures in life and they put it on their child to succeed where they didn't. Or whatever it is but it's definitely the pull of the old that you have to get rid of like you when you're trying to move forward it's I think that's one of the strongest factors why people don't change beside comfort you know Mm -hmm. they're too comfortable in their old in their past and doing the same things that they do you know like you brought up the new year's resolution like Mm -hmm. how many people just talk about it versus how many people do it I would think probably 10% stick with their new year's resolutions you know and and never look back maybe that high
0: that high
1: I would think so what do you think about that (laughs) what would you say how many people uh how many people talk about it versus do it like and stick with it not you know like not just for a month or two unless that's their actual goal but if they were making like some type of fitness change well what what would you think is a percentage of people you know doing they're actually going through with the new year's resolutions and never looking back versus people who just they'll do it for the first month of january maybe and then they'll be like okay you know i'm i'm kind of and they just fizzle out
0: Well, here's here's the unfortunate but kind of hilarious part, right? Mm -hmm. We actually have statistics for that. So a lot of of people's New Year's resolutions is, I want to read more. So, you know, December 30th, they'll buy a brand new book. Mm -hmm. And on New Year's, they'll post a picture of that book on New Year's Eve saying, all right, day one.
1: Of reading more,
0: new year, new me. Let's get that wisdom going, right? Yeah. Well, statistically, when people buy a book, ninety percent of them Mm -hmm. won't read past the first chapter. Mm -hmm. Past the first chapter. They 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 won't read past the first chapter. And ninety percent of that 10% that reads past the first chapter mm-hmm. won't finish the book mm. you know the, the people people are, are, are so fixated on New year's New Year new me I, I don't I don't really pay much attention to New year's I pay attention to January 6th. Mm. Because January 6th is a very special day. In fact, January 6th is even more important and more significant than New Year's. Because January 6th represents the day where 90% of people who made a resolution quit and never revisit it again until December 31st.
1: I can so, believe that. You know, one of the things that I do tell people because I guess there is kind of like a urgency, especially with the digital age and social media to succeed, Mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, everybody's posting their highlight reel. And I've talked about this several times. But what I want to see more of is people talk about, especially the people who have, you know, quote unquote, made it or they're successful or whatever. I want to see a lot of the failures. I want to I want to hear more about those because, you know, I started this was something that happened to me. It's kind of like I started getting kind of uh, like maybe more prone to anger or more whatever because I felt like I wasn't moving forward. Or yeah. re- really, what I was doing is I was comparing. My, like I didn't realize it, but subconsciously, all these people and you know they talk about so you know on social media about I'm doing this now and now I'm doing this and now I have this amazing seven figure business and I'm doing another yeah. some you know all this other stuff and I didn't realize subconsciously I was comparing myself. Uh, you know, to these people, and it just brought a lot of anxiety, a lot of, well, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not at these people's, you know, a lot of them are, like, 56 years old, and they went through their struggles already, too, so it's kind of like, that was the second thing, is it's like, yeah, I'm still learning, Um, and I know a lot of people are feeling like this as well, like, I talked with a couple friends of mine, and they say the same thing. It's kind of like they feel like they're behind, but they're in their twenties. I'm like, but they're. Yeah. It's kind of like they have this feeling of like, no, I need to be a millionaire tomorrow or today, even before, if I'm not, before
0: I'm before I'm 25 or 30, I need
1: to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just. I feel like social media is in, inducing a lot of this anxiety now. Like it's been both a blessing, but really, I just feel like it's been a lot more of a curse because, a lot of people are using this social media to to portray a lie to portray some perfectionist, like lifestyle that, you know, doesn't really exist, or they're just not, it, it just breeds a lot of ego, it breeds a lot of insecurities, it breeds a lot of uh, people or influencers that are trying to profit off of making other people feel insecure, by because they want to sell a type of lifestyle to people, you know, like, follow me if yeah. you want this perfect body in three weeks or six weeks or whatever it is, you know. Or follow me if you want to make $10 million, you know, a year or whatever it is. And it's just breeding so much insecurity that a lot of our generation, especially, they, they just feel left behind or they feel like they're lacking or they feel, you know, they're not living up to some expectation that society is like pushing on them or social media is pushing on them. And yeah. just even now, it's like a lot of people are doing, especially our generation, like the, the things that I see people do now for attention for to make money they're compromising their values they're you know just doing just so many things just for like you said that that like button
0: they're you know, dopamine it, addicts we're, we're creating a, a generation of and when i say creating a generation i don't just mean i don't just mean the young people i'm talking about anybody who is alive right now who's become a slave to social media mm-hmm. they've become dopamine addicts and yeah. Dopamine is the same neurotransmitter that is activated when you have cocaine, right? And dopamine is, is like a sparkler. It hits you fast. It hits you hard, but it fizzles out very, very quickly, just like cocaine, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and unfortunately, when, when you start to develop a proclivity and, and a, an addiction to dopamine, you start foregoing other neurotransmitters like serotonin and oxytocin, Mm -hmm. which have to do with love and fulfillment. That's what makes you feel those two things. So you have a generation who's chasing a very temporary emotional high that is woefully lacking in two critical areas of survival. That is love Mm -hmm. and fulfillment you know, we, and and we've all fallen, you're, you're special in a lot of ways, bro, but you're not special in the sense that you're not the only person who's ever gotten pissed off comparing themselves to somebody. But Mm -hmm. here's, here's the interesting thing. You look at somebody and uh, he's wearing a suit and he's got sunglasses on and he's standing in front of a Lamborghini And that's the picture that you see on Instagram, right? Oh, wow. The human brain looks at that picture. The untrained human brain that's lacking in discernment looks at that picture and says, oh, wow, this person has a, this guy owns a Lamborghini and, well, I mean, he's got a suit. He must be a successful businessman, but he could have just come across that Lamborghini that didn't belong to him. He just found it on the street and asked <laughs> a stranger to, 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 to take a picture of him. Yeah. And, and he could have just, not that there's anything wrong with this, right? But he could have, he could have just bought that suit at, at Goodwill. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but it's a suit. So you assume it's Armani. And it's a Lamborghini. So you assume it's his. And it's sunglasses. So you assume it's Versace and he's got a five o'clock shadow, so you assume he's got tons of women also, right? <laughs> and he's, he's got a watch that's got a black face and a steel bracelet, you can't read, you can't read what it is, you can't read the brand, but because it's got a steel bracelet and a black face, you assume it's a Rolex, you assume it's just a Mariner. So we make all these assumptions and, and, and heaven forbid this person happens to write on, on, on the caption of the photo, selling a program so you can live just like me. (laughs) Yeah. The dude who doesn't own the Lamborghini, who's wearing a Seiko, who just bought a suit at the Salvation Army, just suckered you. Right? Yeah. You know, and and there's an expression that people have started taking too literally and too seriously. And that expression is fake until you make it. You've heard it a ton of times. Right? And Unfortunately, unfortunately, like anything else, it became a double-edged sword. It became a double-edged sword because people started prioritizing, faking it. People started prioritizing, creating the illusion, and they stopped at that. They just want to create a captivating, powerful illusion. It's like... When your life is about creating illusions, when your life is smoke and mirrors, when your life is deception, that, that, that has an energetic signature. That, that creates a karmic ripple effect. I'm not being metaphysical. I'm not being all you know um, supernatural here, but there is a law of, of, of cause and effect. Call it karma, call it cause and effect. Again, me, I'm, I'm very pragmatic in a sense. If, if I can't find it in the Bible, Don't believe it. Mm -hmm. The Bible says you reap what you sow. That's karma. That's cause and effect. So when life becomes about the superficial, we lose depth. When you start putting more focus into what's above the surface, right? When you look at an iceberg, 90% of an iceberg is below the surface. Only you only see 10%. But Because of social media, because of the advent of how easy it is to tell a lie and have people believe it and how easy it is to con somebody and how easy it is to, to, to use, to use emotionally gripping, manipulative marketing tactics, which do work. Coca-Cola does it all the time. Uh, cigarette companies do it all the time. I mean, I, I don't know if you're, if, if you've ever smoked, if you're a smoker, um, Cigarette companies make you feel like smoking is cool, like smoking is sexy. Well, the first kiss I ever had in my entire life was with this girl who just finished smoking a cigarette and I wanted to vomit vomit right after. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing, there was nothing sexy about the way that she looked smoking it. And there was nothing sexy about the way that it tasted, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's all these manipulative conditioning tactics. You know they're using nlp i have nothing against nlp you know i'm a certified practitioner and and master practitioner i incorporated into my practice but like anything else anything can be used for a nefarious purpose but they're using nlp they're using uh the power of influence they're using um uh, elements and aspects of hypnosis Mm -hmm. and they're using emotionally gripping material they're they're either triggering desire points or they're triggering pain points it's very intentional So people are doing the same thing. You know, I, I had a, I had a friend at one point who I'm not going to name any names, right? Because I don't want to get sued for slander. So I had a friend at one point who was hosting a, a mastermind Mm -hmm. and this gentleman, um, presented himself as being a multi seven figure earner presented himself as, as being a very decorated, um, having a very decorated military background, you know, and when I say very decorated, I'm talking like spec ops and and like all this stuff that isn't even on the record. Right. And convenient, right. If, if, if you claim to be something that's, that's not going to be on record, I mean, who can, (laughs) who can confirm that yeah so as as being this very decorated military person as his uh as as being a a very famous author whose book sold uh like two hundred twenty five thousand copies as somebody who uh was this very high high earning individual said he was a billionaire you know And the people who, oh, and also claimed to be a practicing psychologist having graduated from a particular university. Well, the more people dug into his past, the more people found out he was never in this particular branch that he claimed to be in, because coincidentally, uh, friends of ours happened to know people who were in this branch and who were in this squad and said, yeah, there's nobody, there's never been anybody by this particular name here. So this isn't this this could not be possible checking financials checking book sales financials didn't add up the way that he his where he lived he claimed to be a, neighbor, a billionaire but his home wasn't the home of a billionaire and again warren buffett is a multi multi billionaire mm-hmm. leads a simple life for a billionaire yeah. But has an extravagant home, nonetheless, and has an ex- a fairly extravagant lifestyle. He doesn't live like a like a hundred thousandaire. Mm-hmm. He's a billionaire, and, and his life reflects that. So, somebody who presented himself in such a way, but nothing ever checked out, and this is this is the most common thing, you know, in, in, in this world, especially when it comes to. When it comes to either a mentorship or the people that you're you're jealous and envious of you know we tend to take people's word at at, at face value but again all you got to do is look at how somebody's feet move turns out this individual wasn't ever in this branch of the military turns out this individual never sold even close to a hundred thousand books turns out this individual let alone 225,000 books turns out this individual who also had a click funnels page who claimed to have thousands of visits per month it turns out that his assistant confirmed it wasn't even a, you know it wasn't even a, a couple of hundred per month turns out that everything this individual said was a lie and then there's also been a number of sexual predator allegations and all that stuff but that's a whole different story that's a whole different degree of of depravity, right? But the fact is, people lie, and the the worst thing that we can do is, you know, if, if you've read the book Power versus Force, and if you haven't, it's 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 definitely worth checking out. It's it's a brilliant book which talks about a, a number of, I mean, even though it was written. You know, decades ago, it's still an incredibly, an incredibly relevant, um, Mm -hmm. an incredibly relevant book. And in this book is a chart and on this chart has every single emotion that a human being can experience. And next to that, it allocates a number, a number That pertains to like a vibrational frequency that 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 emotion carries right Mm -hmm. so at the top of that list is enlightenment that is the the highest emotion that a human being can feel right prior to reading the book i thought it was love apparently it was not it was enlightenment it's you know people call that christ consciousness right do you want to take a guess as to what the two lowest human emotions are that we can experience? When
1: you say lowest, what do you mean exactly?
0: I mean, in terms of if you were, you know, you know, everything is energy and everything is electrical impulse. We're electrical creatures. Like our bodies are like a big circuit board and we, we produce an energetic field
1: and oh, this so isn't. Do you mean like pardon? if, if uh, you mean if the top, at the top was enlightenment and what are the bottom two?
0: Yeah. What are the bottom okay. two if you were to take a guess?
1: I would guess fear would probably be one of them. Um it's
0: pretty good.
1: Maybe maybe anger, I guess. Probably
0: the second. So check it out. Anger mm-hmm. is number seven from the bottom. Hmm. Fear is number five. So nice. the second most destructive, energetically low emotion that you can feel is guilt. Mm. And how much of our lives are run by guilt? Our parents guilt us for not calling them enough. Our parents guilt us for not living up to their expectations, for not being married, for getting married too soon, for not having kids, for having kids too soon, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We guilt ourselves constantly. We beat ourselves up and guilt ourselves for not doing the things that we know that we should be doing. And again, I, I'm, I'm a full believer in pain. Pain is good. Pain is a catalyst. We don't live there. We don't stay there. We use it to move forward because a, a dangerous, yeah, a dangerous thing happens. You can get accustomed to pain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then that becomes your reality. That becomes your baseline that becomes your homeostasis, right? Homeostasis is the body's need to achieve balance. If you experience something long enough, that becomes your your, your hashtag new normal, right? Yeah. If you experience something long enough, it becomes your new normal.
1: I see this a if lot, ex- especially in relationships.
0: Uh-huh. If you experience chronic stress, chronic anger, mm-hmm. chronic fatigue, chronic anxiety, you just, you learn to live with it and- and what once was alarming and what once felt like your heart was gonna beat out of your chest, right? You don't even, you don't even notice it anymore. I mean, it, it's a human phenomenon where you can go to you can go to a, a barn, you can go to a farm, and for the first few minutes, all you do is you just smell crap in the air and you wanna vomit. But what happens after about half an hour?
1: Start getting acclimated to it.
0: Absolutely. And if you can get acclimated to the smell of shit. <laughs> what can't you get acclimated to? like people need to be cognizant of this like if you can get acclimated to the smell of shit constantly and you can not smell it at all you can get accustomed to anything yeah so when that becomes your baseline you're in trouble because now pain doesn't work as a motivator for you this degree of pain doesn't work work you're gonna need a greater degree of pain and that's that 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 is a different topic because what else needs to happen what what is what is pain pain is oh man I mean this is a pain that I experienced at one point in my life remember I was I was morbidly obese I was 70 pounds overweight I, I was having I was on the verge of of, of developing uh prediabetes my blood pressure was high. My cholesterol was high. And, and my, I, was, I had onset like fatty liver disease about to start to take place because my liver enzymes were, were insanely elevated. So, but that wasn't necessarily a, a massive pain point, but a huge pain point for me was over the summer, I just somehow happened to gain like 30 pounds. And when eighth grade started, I go to get my school uniform. And man, my pants no longer fit. (laughs) And when I say they didn't fit, I meant I was trying to button those pants together and there was like a three inch gap between the button and the hole. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That That is a lot of weight to gain over the summer. So I had to wear my father's pants and my father was like a 40 waist. That was a massive pain point for me, man. You know, another massive pain point for me was we had to get checked for scoliosis. And, and again, I'm, I'm very open with, with all the stuff that people have said and all, all the things that people have done, because, you know, the the more transparent we are in our experience and in our story, the greater the depth of helping somebody else we have. Right, yeah. so I remember one day we were getting checked in, in in school for scoliosis. It was seventh or eighth grade, and uh, you know I was I was a kid who was always always fat, so I never liked taking my shirt off. And just like you know, everybody is different. We carry fat in different places more. You know, some people carry fat more in their in their love handle areas, Some people carry fat more in the lower stomach, etc. You know, I at that point was. I was holding on to the most amount of weight in, I mean, I was morbidly obese, right? But I was carrying a lot of it in my, in my pectoral area. You know, I had tits, <laughs> I had a solid C cup, you know, when I was like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember that during this scoliosis test, all you had to do is they lined up all the boys in the locker room, you take off your shirt, you bend forward, and they kind of trace this thing down your back to see if you suffer from scoliosis or not. So I remember being petrified and mortified to even take off my shirt. So I kind of, I kind of went and retreated into myself, took my shirt off, boom, they did the thing. And I I threw my shirt on as fast as I could. I was like, okay, good. Nobody saw, you know, quick. Mm -hmm. And as I'm, as I'm walking away, I hear somebody in my class say, man, Mark's tits are bigger than my mom's. Like you, you want to talk about a fucking pain point. (laughs) to start to to eat less i was like oh my goodness okay i gotta do something right yeah yeah so pain is good but if we live there we stay there if we stay there becomes our normal if it becomes our normal we have no way out or our way out is very limited you know so we experience this guilt we experience all these all these deleterious emotions and and Beneath guilt, right, because guilt is number two, the, the second from the last. Mm-hmm. We, li- we live in guilt, but beneath that is something that we can all resonate with at some point, and that is shame. Mm. Shame. Why do people experience so much reservation and hesitation in being transparent with the things that they've done and with the life that they've lived and with who they are? Shame. Anything.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about that one. It's pretty they good. feel shame.
0: They they're, they're afraid. You know, this is this is a great paradox of, of existence and of humanity. We we wanna be more than anything else in the world, we wanna be seen completely, and we wanna be loved completely, but we're too fucking scared. To be transparent and to show ourselves completely. Mm -hmm. You know, what we want the most and what we fear the most are one in the same. So there's conflict. Shame for the things that you should have done. Shame for the fact that you're not making the amount of money that you should be making. Shame for the fact that, you know... You did something in your past that you shouldn't have done, and, and you're terrified that somebody's gonna find out. You're terrified to tell the person that you love who you really are, what you've done. You know, shame that you sell yourself short. Shame that you don't pursue your dreams and your passions as as fervently and as and as diligently as you know that you deserve. Shame in the fact that you don't prioritize yourself, that you don't prioritize your health, that you don't prioritize areas of your life that matter. You know, so we live in a society where, where being less than perfect is a cause for shame. You know, you look at the suicide statistics in, in Japan and in Korea, they're astronomically high. Mm-hmm. This is a culture where, where shame, it's shame culture. You know, not and I'm not talking about the 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 Japanese culture or the Korean culture, but I'm talking about like the collective thoughts of individuals. It's oh my goodness, I did this, I've I've brought shame to my family, I've brought shame to myself, I brought shame to my name. And and we get so focused and, and and so fixated on the thing that we stay there and we don't learn how to transcend it or rectify it. We don't learn how to uh, how to how to forgive ourselves. We don't learn how to move beyond it, how to move past it, how to take control over it. You know? True power is being able to be transparent with the world and not giving a crap if they judge you or not. If you get to own your shit and own who you are and own what you've done, and if you have evidence that you've moved beyond that, I mean, I can't think of I can't think of a greater feeling. That's that's emotional freedom. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I have to I have to rob Paul to, you know, borrow from Paul to pay Peter so that I can keep pretenses up. I have to put concealer on my eye because my husband beat the shit out of me. But we're gonna go out and we're gonna have to take pictures. I feel shame that I stay in this relationship that I'm going to put concealer on so we can take a big, beautiful picture and pretend for Instagram that we have this incredible marriage. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring my wife on stage, talk about how to have a beautiful relationship when my fucking mistress is in the audience. You know, I'm going to talk about, listen, I'm going to show you exactly how to create a seven figure business when I'm not earning you know, when I'm earning on the low end of five figures yearly. Yeah. It's, it's the illusion and, and it's, it's the culture that, that perpetuates the need to be perfect and to be Superman. Superman isn't relatable. Perfection isn't relatable. And it's the people who, who, who concoct and create these, these fake realities who have the hardest falls and who have the most self-destructive vices and who have the most poor psychology and emotional health. You know, comparing yourself to other people, there's always going to be somebody better off than you are. Right. And more more often than not, that's not a motivator. More often than not, that's a cause for depression or anger or resentment or bitterness or jealousy. Right? So Comparing yourself to somebody who's better off than you usually is a a self-destructive act. Comparing yourself to somebody who has it worse than you is an equally self-destructive act. Mm -hmm. Because, well, you know, at least I'm not doing as bad as crackhead Johnny. Now you have no need to grow. Now you're justifying being stagnant. You're justifying not chasing your dreams and your passions because, you know, Things aren't great, but things could be worse. And things could be as bad as, as like I said, crackhead Johnny. Mm -hmm. So that breeds complacency, that breeds stagnation. And there's a very serious mental health epidemic in the world right now, which is why I'm so vocal about what are the causes and what are the triggers and what are the very practical tips, tricks, strategies that you can implement to not be a statistic? You know, I, a few days ago, I had the, the privilege of having an interview in um, iHeartRadio and another 147 radio stations that was broadcast. And, you know, I, I, I was speaking for about 35 minutes on, on mental health and, suicide awareness and suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And I touched on a lot of the topics that I touched on today because, you know, mental health is 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 a serious thing. And, and just like anything else, it's a, it's a practice. And there are so many aspects of life that rob us of happiness, of confidence, of certainty, of, of juice, you know, and, and we're falling victim to these things. So ultimately it's arming yourself with the strategies. You said it yourself. You love, you wish that people would be more vocal and open about their failures. Cause you, you don't really learn much about people's successes. You don't learn much about, about anything. You get a dopamine high, but that's it. You get motivation. Well, you can find motivation in a fortune cookie. hmm you know, who the fuck wants to buy motivation? I want to buy transformation. And you learn about, when you study somebody's failures, you learn about a few things. You know, primarily you learn, what am I going to face? Because, I mean, if, if you're a fighter and you already know who you're going to fight, but you know who your opponent is, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to study their tape. You're going to watch every single freaking fight a person has had yeah so that you can study how they move you can study which punches they telegraph you can study their body language you can you can study their you know their power you can study how they whether whether they have more uh, uh quick twitch muscle fibers and they're fast and explosive or if they want to go all the rounds and beat you by decision you know you're you're, you're going to study that so When you study the ways in which life can come at you, especially in this particular area and in this particular undertaking, you know what to prepare for. I mean, how can you prepare for something if you don't know what's coming? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be caught with your pants down. You want to arm yourself with truth, with knowledge, and then you can study their strategy because you can study what they did, what strategies they implemented consistently which yielded the most powerful and expeditious results. Cause at the end of the day, you want to produce a result. I mean, ultimately it's all about your, are your, your chasing a feeling. You want to produce a feeling, but you want to produce a result that's going to lead you to a feeling. The result you want to produce is, is a bunch of friends and connection. Why? Because you want to feel happy and you want to feel loved and you want to feel like you belong to something. You want to produce a bunch of money. Why? Because you want to feel safe and you want to feel happy and want to feel abundant. It's, everything that we do is we're chasing a feeling at the end of the day every goal is driven by a feeling or the the idea that it's going to produce a specific feeling so absolutely you know that's that's critical it's critical to not compare and and if you are to compare use it to move you forward that as an excuse to stay stagnant or stay indignant
1: You know, I wanted to ask, uh, how do we get to this point exactly? Because do you think it's just social media? Do you think it's just the digital age? Because, you know, before all this, it it was more like people just stayed in their groups and they, you know, weren't really aware of other groups. Like they knew that rich people existed, but it wasn't like a massive, um, like desire, like I have to become like this person. You know, there wasn't some massive comparison. It was just, they were living their life. But uh, how did we get to this point?
0: how do you think? I don't want to sound like a old crotchety decrepit man on a rocking chair, you know, (laughs) with, uh, with a broom in my hand hitting the ceiling saying, turn that music down kids. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's conditioning. It's conditioning. It's comparing. It's and again, I'm going to say some shit that's going to piss some people off on I hope it does.
1: Good, yeah. I, li- I like that kind of stuff.
0: It's we've separated ourselves from God. Mm. That's, you know, to me, everything has boiled down to that. The closer you draw to God, mm-hmm. the closer you draw to truth, right? Because God can do all things, but God, there's two things that God can't do. He placed two limits on himself. Because he loves you so much. God can't abandon you. And God can't go against his own word. If it is written, he cannot go against it. God is the best man in the world. He can't break a promise. He can't let you down. He can't break your heart. He can't lie to you. He can't cheat. He can't can't do any of that stuff. The most infinite Omnipotent, powerful, universal creator placed a limit on himself because of his love for you. So if God is good, and the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was good, the word was God. God is good just separated by one Mm O. If God is good, God is all powerful. God is all knowing. God is all love, compassion, There are other adjectives, right? Like any good parent. Discipline. He'll spank the shit out of you. And there are repercussions for not obeying as there should be. But if God is truth, then everything else that you see that's not of God is a lie and is a manipulation. Some people call it negativity. Some people call it darkness. You know, I've, I've studied a great number of religions. I've studied several uh, versions of, of Christianity. I've studied Catholicism. I've studied Islam. I've studied Thai Buddhism. I've studied Confucianism. I've studied Taoism shamanism and a few others. And, and you know, a, a, among studying all these, all these religions, there are sprinkles of God's truth within everything. But every single religion, and this is where the confusion lies, believes in a different God, but the same devil. Hmm. If you study enough religions, there are polytheistic religions and monotheistic religions. There are religions that believe in several gods, right? Like Native Americans believe in in several gods taking on the form of of natural forces and and of elements. You study Islam, Right, there's Krishna, there's Ganesha, there's a number of other of other gods and, and goddesses. You you study Greek mythology. There's Zeus and Athena and Aphrodite, and there's a number of them. But most all religions have that same devil who has those same qualities and. When we move away from our creator, we start to live in the world of, and again, I'm going to call it like it is, we start to live in Satan's world. You read the Bible. Jesus Christ, the son of God, referred to two gods. People think he only referred to his father as God. That is not true. Jesus Christ referred to the almighty creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And all that we see, and all that is, and all that has ever been, and all that will ever be. God Almighty. But then he mentioned the second God. And people think, wait a minute, the Bible isn't isn't polytheistic. Well, the Bible isn't polytheistic, but Jesus referred to two. And the second God he referred to was Satan. And he referred to Satan as the God of this world. So... Call him ego, call him Satan. Kabbalah calls it the enemy. Metaphysics calls it your shadow, your darkness. But there's a omnipotent, benevolent force and then there is a counterpart of that force. And when your life is about feeding your ego, And when your life is about chasing things that are inconsequential. A Course in Miracles calls it the the trivial aspects of life, right? Mm -hmm. When you start chasing things that don't fill your soul, when you start leading a narcissistic, self-serving life, and when you depart from what the Bible says to do, you know, initially there were There were hundreds of commandments, but nobody could follow hundreds of commandments. That's insanity. Right? So here comes Moses. We create 10 commandments now. Easy to follow, right? We go from hundreds of things to 10 things. (laughs) No, we still can't do 10 things. Mm -hmm. So Jesus Christ came, abolished those 10 commandments, and said, everything in life, and, and whether you're religious, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be Joel Osteen or anything right now. I'm not trying to convert people. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm sharing what the Bible says. And I'm sharing what I believe. What you do with it is your prerogative, right? Mm-hmm. But the Bible says to do two things. And ultimately, Jesus Christ. Is a shining example of what it means to be a man. You know, we 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 live in a world that's been demonizing masculinity and 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 convoluting femininity. And when when you want, you want to look for a mentor, right? We we talked about we talked about uh the importance of. Selecting somebody to listen to and the importance of finding somebody who whose life you want to emulate, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody whose life is impactful, somebody whose whose life matters, somebody who who you look at and you think, wow, you know, that is that is a legacy that that I want to live. That is a legacy that I want to lead, you know. I um, I look at Jesus Christ and, and I remember I was at Vatican City one time. It was like it was October uh, twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, and I've I've always been fascinated by history and by literature and by architecture, by by just humanity's ability to take, you know, you want to talk about God. What is God? God is a creator. We have that same power. Look, look, look at what we've created. Look at what we've been able to create and give birth to. You know, and I was, I, I remember I was, um, I was at a lecture one time and I came across this sculpture by a man named Michelangelo. And the name of the sculpture is La Pieta. And basically it's a sculpture of the Virgin Mary and she's holding Jesus Christ's lifeless body in her arms, right? Mm -hmm. and I I just there was something about that sculpture I I fell in love with it I and not from a religious perspective uh, but from the perspective of I cannot believe that a man was able to do this a billion years ago with a freaking hammer a chisel and a little piece of sandpaper and a cup of water Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ has veins on his bicep that you can clearly see Jesus Christ has lower abstractions the virgin mary has a, a is wearing a shawl and somehow you can see her body through the shawl and this is all carved out of a single piece of granite what the hell and then in 2015 i found myself in st peter's basilica
1: mm-hmm.
0: in vatican city and i was standing in front of la pietà and my first thought was, because I, I always thought La Pieta was probably the same size as me. I thought the Virgin Mary was the size of a regular woman and Jesus Christ was the size of a you know regular man. I thought that's how Michelangelo carved it. Well, as it turns out, La Pieta is like 20 feet high. So I was like, oh my God, that's the goodness. That's such a big work of art. It's bigger than I ever thought it would be. Just like uh, David. David is like 23 feet high. But I remember thinking, you know, i'm mesmerized and i i stared i stared at la pieta for like two and a half or three hours and typical protocol right when you go see la pieta is you're in a line you walk to the front so la pieta is behind bulletproof glass and it's it's like 15 feet away from the glass so you you can't get up close and personal with it but that's as close as you can get Protocol is you walk up to it, you gawk for a second or two, you take a picture, and then you walk away. Well, I stayed in front of that sculpture for two and a half or three hours. It was probably three hours. People were behind me. People were upset. People were doing that impatient. <clears throat> under the worry, you know, under their breath. But at that point, I didn't care. I, I was too. I was too mesmerized. And. you know i i just started thinking about what this man's life represented you know jesus christ for, forget about christianity forget about religion i'm just talking about how to be a good human being this 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 man was the ultimate stud you know this guy left a legacy this guy left a blueprint this guy this guy died for what he believed in you know, you look at other mentors and other people, none of them have done that. None of them. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus or to, or to what, whatever it is you want to dedicate your life to. You want to talk about what it means to be a good man. You want to talk about what it means to, to, to live by that WWJD bracelet. You know, this man committed himself to, to, to a lifetime, a lifetime of education of discipline, of growth, of expansion, you know, in, in, in a world that, in a world that w- was, was all about temptation, because remember he was tempted. He was tempted and, and he did call Satan the, the, the God of the world. Satan said, Hey, if you bow before me in an act of, of, of deference, and if you bow before me in an act of prayer, I will grant you all the kingdoms of the world. And, and, Rest assured, he had that power, right? Jesus Christ called him. Mm-hmm. Satan is the master and the God of this world. So he could have given him that. And he refused. What other man who has ever lived or who is currently living could be made that offer and resist? Literally, I will give you the world and everything contained therein for all the spoils, every experience, every woman, every depravity, every vice, every everything, if you just do this. I can't think of anybody that would turn that down. So you're talking about emotional resolve and a commitment to live in accordance to something that is woefully lacking in this world called alignment and integrity. He prioritized connection. He connected with the people that the world, even the world currently, casts aside. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a world where telling the truth cancel culture, censorship. We live in a world where telling the truth ruffles too many feathers and people attack you. You know, we want freedom of speech as long as you're saying the shit that we approve of. Yeah. We want freedom of speech as long as you're not saying things that are upsetting or angering the majority of the people. Because the current narrative is, listen to whoever's throwing the biggest tantrum and acquiesce to them. Mm -hmm. And who throws tantrums? Children. Should children be able to run the world? Should children be given everything that they want? Absolutely not. That leads to disaster. Children who are given everything that they want, parents who acquiesce to them, become entitled monsters. So what is the subliminal programming that's happening? How are we programming humanity to behave and to be and to act? Selfish, entitled, censorship. It's, it's, it's a world overrun and riddled with toxicity. So who in their right mind would be courageous enough to speak the truth? Because you know as well as I do, you speak the truth, they're going to censor you or they're going to attack you and then censor you. Yep. Or they're going to cancel you. Well... This is the original man who decided I'm going to speak the truth. And they didn't, they didn't cancel him. They fucking killed him Mm -hmm. for speaking the truth. But you know, you speak the truth as a, as, as a, as a decent, good human being who's, who's living a life that's worth living. You speak the truth and you inspire people regardless of what happens to you because it's the right thing to do because you're not focused on you. You're focused on, Humanity and and in serving and being of service to humanity and being uh, an agent of change and a a catalyst for growth and transformation. You know, loved absolutely everybody, spent his time serving the people who we turn our noses at today. You know, so, and he only said to do two things. He said, love God above all else. What what would happen if we love God above all else? Would we cancel each other? Would we kill each other? Would we rape each other? Would we take vengeance on one another? Would we plot against one another? Absolutely not. Because if we loved God, we would see humanity through his eyes. You know, before, before any time I'm, I'm going to speak on stage or before I have any kind of coaching call with a client of mine, even before I'm doing an interview, I have the same ritual. I get on my knees. I pray. I pray for discernment. I pray for wisdom. I pray for God's for God to make my voice the PA system of heaven. I pray that he activate every single gift and talent and anointing that I have and for everything to be for his glory and to bring, bring, bring favor and, and, and glory and everything good to his name. But then I pray for something else in the end among among the tears and the sobbing because this kind of prayer just makes you cry like, like an inconsolable child. I say, God, let me see them, them meaning you, them meaning everybody who's listening, anybody who's going to be hearing my voice and hearing this message. Let me see them the way that you see them. Let me love them the way that you love them. And I'm not trying to be holy and I'm not trying to be dramatic. This is my legit, awesome honest to God, prayer every single day. So love God above all else. What happens if we put him first, right? Because ultimately life boils down to two things. God first, service to humanity second. If you do those two things and you do them consistently, life will not only be fulfilling and meaningful, but you'll be provided for in ways that you never thought possible. Blessings and favors will show up in ways that you never expected in the form of financial blessings in the form of actual money being sent your way or just somehow your bills getting paid or or and investors that you never reached out to just loving your idea and wanting to back you and fund you the right woman in your life the right man in your life blessings and favor are going to pour in as a consequence of that because faith is always rewarded secondarily love your neighbor like you love yourself now there's 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 a double edge to that you need to cultivate self-love before you can do that. Because oftentimes the way that we love other people in toxic ways is a manifestation of the ways in which we love ourselves. And, and if there's not a whole heck of a lot of self-love, if you're listening to the narrative, if you're, you're investing all your time and energy in things that, that trigger dopamine, but don't release serotonin and oxytocin, if your life isn't about making a difference and making an impact over making a dollar, and you're not going to love yourself. You're not going to be able to love your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, put, if you put your heavenly father first, right? Because the Bible says, for if you are with me, who could be against me? Think about that. If the creator of the heavens and the earth has your back and is shining his light on you, who can be against you? Doesn't matter if the whole world is against you, you're going to be taken care of, you're going to be provided for, you're going to have favor, you're going to have blessings, you're going to be put in positions of, of, of influence, because life isn't about what you have to say, it's about the actual message that has to be said. Remember, created the heavens and the earth, God can open doors that no man can close, and God closes doors that no man can open. God can heal you of afflictions of generational curses that science can't even begin to quantify and that there are no cures of. You can literally do all things in Christ who strengthens you. But again, who are you serving? What are you serving? Your ego and the nefarious force that is perpetuating and feeding that? Is your life surrounded and, and just full of distractions and derailments? Remember, the way that the devil is depicted is incorrect. He's not ugly and red with horns and a pitchfork and, and dark and, and scary. What does the Bible say of the devil? The Bible says the devil was, you know, Satan was an angel, a powerful angel, an angel who was also, the Bible, this is, this is scripture. The Bible says he was beautiful. Now, God gave us free will. That means that we have the ability of doing what we want. Of altering our destiny. We all have a beautiful destiny that God gave us. You know, sometimes that journey is full of pain and full of hard, terrible lessons along the way. But it's a beautiful destiny nonetheless. But our free will allows us to remove ourselves from that beautiful destiny. Again, free will is an act of love. I don't want a robot. I want you to be able to live in accordance to my way, which is the right way if you want to. But you have the right. I'm giving you the right to choose pain and to choose destruction or salvation. I'm not going to force you to do anything. Right? So we can, we can royally fuck up our destiny. But there's one thing that God doesn't take away. He doesn't take away our gifts. He doesn't take away our talents. And he doesn't take away our anointings. An anointing is a special thing that only you have, a powerful thing. You know, there are some people who can heal you with their, with their touch. There are some people whose voice you just can't stop listening to. And when you hear them speak, you just you get goosebumps and you become inspired. There are some people whose who's just presence just turns you on and lights you up. There are some people who just... They just have these anointings and their lives are are blessed and everything that they touch turns to gold. You know, those are anointings, a beautiful voice that can move hearts. That's an anointing, a creative mind that can give birth to all these beautiful works of art and, and books. And that's an anointing, physical beauty. That's an anointing as well. So God doesn't take that away. So when Satan behaved himself out of his destiny and was cast out of heaven and became the devil, right, Mm -hmm. he stayed beautiful. He stayed alluring, he stayed powerful. So there's an expression that I love that says, your derailment, right, that is the thing that's going to pull you from destiny, pull you from happiness, pull you from fulfillment. Your derailment is always going to be masked as your preference. You know, toxic toxic relationships, toxic women, toxic habits, toxic lifestyle, the draw to toxic people and toxic situations. We don't do it because it feels bad. We do it because it feels good and it feels it's our preference. So what are you aligning yourself with? with the ego, with the dark nefarious forces, or are you going to say, you know what, I'm gonna stand for something different and I'm not gonna serve myself because the further we pull from from our creator, the further we remove ourselves from all the things that we wanna experience. You know, everything, again, I can talk about NLP I can talk about uh, my certification in, in, in NLP. I can talk about my work with Ericksonian therapy and Gestalt therapy. And I can talk about my work with strategic intervention and, and the 10,000 certifications I have with Les Brown as a speaker and as, as th- I can talk about all that crap, yeah. right? But I'm not gonna, because the truth is the only thing that matters is those two points. Love God above all else. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And if you truly expand on each of those things, there is a blueprint to an amazing life. There is a blueprint to who you are. There is a blueprint to discovering your your purpose, your, your, your destiny. There is a blueprint to overcoming the challenges and the obstacles and the temptations that are gonna keep you from achieving the things that you wanna achieve. It's all there. You know, and and it's human nature to want to complicate things, but the most profound, powerful things in life are simple. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I like
1: it, man. And uh, I guess, uh, because there's a couple other things I want to talk to you about, but I actually, because I know we're definitely going to do this again. Absolutely. Video next time. Yeah, yeah. so uh, everybody else, you can look forward to that because uh, we'll be doing video next time. Um, I did want to say, again, for anybody who hasn't caught, the first episode we did together, I'll post that again as well. Um, sure. So you can check that one out. And uh, Mark? Thank you again, man. I, I enjoyed pleasure, the conversation. Brother. I enjoyed just listening to you. Uh, you. You you pretty much, this is pretty much your podcast today. <laughs> I would say that. <laughs> I'll say it, that.
0: It, it's God's podcast, man. It's yeah. God's <laughs> podcast today.
1: <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Is there any uh, uh, last things you want to say before uh, we wrap this one up?
0: Absolutely. Pray more. That's
1: it. Nice. That was all right. Yeah, <laughs> that'll yeah. do. Thank you very much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Everybody else. Thank you again for listening and hope you enjoyed this episode and take care.